This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. I'm here today with San Francisco City Controller Ben Rosenfield. He went from balancing the books of one of the world's economic powerhouses to facing down a $1.7 billion budget gap. Now one in seven San Franciscans is out of work, the tax base is drying up, and the recovery might not come until 2023. Ben Rosenfield, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start right off the bat with the really bad news. Uh, What is the financial picture for the city of San Francisco in the coming weeks, months, and years? It's obviously an unprecedented time, both from a public health perspective and now from a financial perspective as well. Um, The city has had an almost immediate evaporation of some of our major tax revenue sources. Um, A shelter in place and the public health emergency has taken hold, uh, and that's corresponded with rapid uh, declines in our financial picture. So we're, mm-hmm. we're now expecting about a $1.7 billion projected shortfall over the next 26 months. Wow. Um, and uh, that that's almost $2 billion worse than where we thought we were in January. Oh my gosh. Um, what streams of revenue have particularly dried up during the pandemic where, um, you know, in particular, losing all this money? Yeah, we really we really had some impacts that we felt immediately as soon as uh, shelter in place started and as soon as COVID began to have its impacts here in San Francisco. And then we have others that are going to be longer term. In the short term, we the losses have been heavily concentrated in taxes that get paid every month mm-hmm. and that in particular are paid uh, by tourists, visitors and as part of our hospitality industry in San Francisco. So. For example, we we get about $100 million of hotel tax in San Francisco every quarter, every three months. Mm -hmm. And that's been the case now for for, for many years. Uh, For the quarter we're in now, I would be surprised if we end up with $10 million in hotel tax. Wow. It's almost a $100 million loss in in three months in that one source alone. Um, Sales tax, parking tax, uh, those are the ones that we're really seeing fall off a cliff immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, our hope is, and our expectation is, is, is those taxes begin to recover in, in years ahead, we're going to see lingering impacts for taxes that play out over long period, longer periods of time, like property tax, um, where mm-hmm. you really dim, diminution in value of San Francisco office buildings, for example. We won't see that this year, but, but we do expect to see it in the years ahead. Mm-hmm. So there's really no good news. You're pausing, looking up. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a lot of good news right now. No. Okay. Yes. Um, How bad would you say this is? Some people are comparing it to the Great Depression. Do you think that's fair or overstating it? How would you describe where we are now and what to expect? Yeah, well, I know economically here in San Francisco, unemployment is now higher than it has been since those records were kept at a local level. Wow. Since World War II, uh, effectively. Uh, you know, we're at a place where basically one in seven San Franciscans is now unemployed. 
many others have had their wages and hours reduced. Um, in the country, we've had we we gained about 25 million 25 million jobs since the last recession ended, and that's about how many jobs have been lost in April. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I I think that the economic calamity is certainly more significant than anything uh, I've lived through or certainly worked through. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mayor's budget director has told department heads to cut their departments by 10% uh, pretty much immediately and then find another 5% for down the road. Um, do you think that that's going to be enough or do you think uh, she might have to ask for even deeper cuts? Um, I think a couple things to realize is that those department targets that the mayor's office communicates are only going to be a piece of what the balancing solution looks like. So mm. all those reductions from all those departments together is is less than 25% of that $1.7 billion problem. And so the city is going to need to employ other strategies uh, to get through it. You know, we, we're better prepared than we were prior to the last couple of recessions in terms of our reserves. Um, the rainy day has arrived, so those will get spent down in coming years. Um, but I would expect you're going to see reductions in capital programs, equipment, a lot of stuff well well beyond what departments are proposing. Um, yeah. I do think there's a risk that even that $1.7 billion number is is too optimistic. Um, we're assuming that uh, we see this gradual recovery beginning later this, this year and continuing ahead. And that's on the assumption that kind of COVID remains kind of controlled in San Francisco over the next 18 to 24 months. But as we know from a public health perspective, there's there's risks of secondary outbreaks. We have the risk of a, another fall peak. Mm-hmm. Um, if those sorts of things happen, um, the picture will worsen. Right. Have you thought about how bad it could get? If the 1.7 billion sounds pretty horrifying enough, like do you have another number as a worst case scenario? Um, I've stopped defining worst case scenario <laughs> because <laughs> we keep passing them because they keep getting worse every week. Um, you know, to give you an order of magnitude sense, where if if revenues were about five percent lower than we're expecting, which would probably be a world where we just flatten out and don't improve, mm-hmm. that's about four hundred million dollars more added to mm-hmm. that number over the next two years. If we have a kind of a W where we recover and then contract again because of of a future outbreak or a future peak, um, that's probably about eight hundred million more over that. That's crazy. Um, And when, when do you anticipate the economy beginning to recover? Or have you thought about that at all? Like how long is this going to last before we start seeing things return to some semblance of normal? Yeah, we've, that's the, that's the million dollar question at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time tracking what economists are projecting in the US and the world and then here locally. the consensus now, you know, early on there was this discussion of a V-shaped recession, like we're mm-hmm. going to quickly shut down, quickly reopen, and the economy will quickly rebound. Very few are suggesting that now, so it's more a question of of how long the the recovery takes, and it certainly won't snap back quickly. It appears. Um, I think the consensus of blue chip economists, which is this this group of several hundred economists in the U.S., and they, they produce a survey every month. And, you know, you, t- you take the midpoint of that survey. Most seem to be expecting that U.S. GDP will get back to where it was in January sometime in 2020. 
23, maybe. Wow. And maybe late 22. And then unfortunately, employment is expected to lag that. And so it, it, might, it might be even longer out till, till we're back at the employment numbers we saw in San Francisco, even in January. Hmm. What's it like to be the controller of an economically booming city one day that's kind of the envy of the world and then literally see the financial picture change so dramatically in a matter of days or weeks? Um, it's been challenging. Um, <laughs> sleepless uh, nights? Uh, sleepless nights, early mornings. Um, a lot of time in my basement, uh, email and <laughs> hiding out or <laughs> and, and reading and working. Um, okay. You know that my role here is is largely as a financial advisor. I, I'm not making the one that will be making the hard choices. That'll be the mm-hmm. mayor and the board of supervisors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but nonetheless, kind of work our office working uh, to understand where we are financially, to work up ideas to help help solve parts of this problem. And to help offer sound advice to both is is a lot at the moment. Um, uh, certain, I've, I've worked through two other recessions in the city in different mm-hmm. jobs, one in this one and one as the mayor's budget director many moons ago. Um, and this one's unlike anyone I think I have seen or will expect to see again. Um, mm-hmm. You have this, this amazing loss of tax revenue occurring. Um, it's less of a recession than it is a natural disaster, a national mm-hmm. disaster at the moment. So it feels different. And you're losing revenues at the exact same time that the city government, county government need to respond in entirely new ways to kind of manage the community health risks. So we're going to, with less money, we need to create entirely new programs uh, right. to kind of manage, manage the public health pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a, not just a, a revenue pressure, but this huge cost pressure as well. I'll be right back with city controller Ben Rosenfield. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Heather Knight, and I'm back with city controller Ben Rosenfield. And why do you call it more like a natural disaster? I thought of that, too, as a journalist, because usually when we cover something bad, it's like an earthquake or a shooting that's over within minutes. And then, you know, the recovery starts almost immediately. But um, this is just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. Is that how it feels to you as well? It certainly does. You know, usually you think of a recession as as something going wrong in the economy itself. Parts Mm -hmm. Parts of it get gummed up. <clears throat> and it slowly grinds to a halt, or it snaps all at once. Um, here, there was nothing fundamentally gummed up about the way the economy was working um, uh, just months ago. It, this is the economic calamity here is caused by a public health calamity, mm-hmm. right? and so it really does feel like more a response to a disaster than it does to a, to something fundamentally wrong in the economy itself. Now, the longer the longer the public health calamity lasts for, the more likely it's going to have longer term implications and lead to secondary economic problems and be with us for some time. Um, right. Um, I know, like everyone else working around the city at the moment, whether doing finance or emergency response or other ways, um, the difference between this natural disaster, though, and an earthquake is, um, 
where an event happens, it's over and you're recovering from it. Mm-hmm. Here, here we're simultaneously still responding every day to a, an unfolding emergency at the same time we're trying to plan for recovery. Yeah. Uh, and just to get a, a better sense of the budget in general, um, before the pandemic, this year's budget was um, $12.3 billion projected, um, which is more than many states in the country. And a lot of San Franciscans are confused by that because the figure doesn't necessarily align with what we see you know, in our day-to-day lives, whether it be homelessness, potholes, you know, slow buses that don't arrive or whatever it is, taxpayers wonder, where does all this money go? So could you give just like a general picture of, you know, the big pots of where this money does go? Sure. Um, I think the most important thing to understand about that $12 billion budget is kind of how unique San Francisco's government is. We are, we are the most consolidated local government in the U.S., which so we're a city and a county. We're operating an airport. We're operating a port. We're operating a water and utility system that serves not just San Francisco but most of the Bay Area, um, and that that means that we have huge parts. Really, half the budget are these what we call enterprise funds, enterprises that that really aren't general governmental services. It's the airport. It's our utility. It's the port. It's it's and and that money really can only legally be spent on those purposes. The FAA won't let us spend money generated at the airport on parks or street cleaning service. So the you're left with about a $6 billion general fund budget, which is still very large. Um, within that, you have a number of different voter adopted set-asides and restrictions that further kind of squeeze how much of that money is really available for discretionary choices the mayor and the board can make to respond to neighborhood services and the sorts of things you and I you and I feel as residents. Um, so the, the the discretionary part of that $12 billion budget is probably a, around a quarter of that. So it's a much smaller piece of the pie. Um, it's certainly true that San Francisco has a very rich tax base. Um, voters here have been generous with taxes and we're a wealthy town. Um, but when you adjust all those things out, we're, we're not that far out of line with, with uh, Denver or uh, or others that are kind of similar to us in form. Mm-hmm. And I know a big reason that we have been booming so much in the past years is because of the tech industry um, being centered here. And there's a lot of speculation about whether they'll continue to to do that. Um, some companies like Twitter have told workers they can pretty much work from home forever. So the thinking is, will tech workers leave the city and um, just you know go buy a cheaper house somewhere else since it doesn't really matter if they're here? Or not, and then will the companies even stay? So, um, how does that inform your thinking if this industry were to leave San Francisco, at least in part, in the coming years? I know while we're thinking and really focused on this immediate problem over the next couple of years, the $1.7 billion challenge, there are kind of important longer term trends that are at play here that could have longer term implications for the city's finances and budget. Um, and the one you're mentioning is a, is a key one. Um, uh, as folks get used to working remotely <clears throat> and as companies encourage their employees to work remotely for during the public health emergency, does that become kind of a new normal for parts of our our office culture here in San Francisco? And, and if that happens, <clears throat> we end up exporting part of our tax base. Um, our business taxes will decline as a result to the extent that that leads to softening demand for commercial office space in the mean, in the city, that means that our property tax base will shrink. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means that new development in the city that, that 
would have been expected um, may not occur or at a slower pace. So there are definitely longer term implications here for office work in the city. Um, what does the future of retail look like? Mm-hmm. How does how do how do these big parts? If assuming the hospitality industry is slower to come back than than the rest of the world, uh, the rest of our world, what does that mean for restaurants in the city? What does it mean for kind of tens of thousands of jobs around that are really organized around business travel, conventions, and hospitality? A lot, a lot of long term implications here. Yeah. And also another long-term implication, I wanted to ask if you have any thoughts about what will happen to the real estate market in San Francisco, you yeah, know, I mean, I, besides office space, but homes and apartments. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're expecting to see softening in housing prices as a result of this. Um, we don't have a good sense of how much yet. Um, I think you're going to see above and beyond at the office market in the city, you're going to see weakness. And we have other parts of our property tax base or hotels large retail establishments, I, I do think you're going to see longer term pressure down on property property values in the city across the board, um, mm-hmm. more acute in some than others. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that'll translate into longer term financial losses. It takes a while though to feel property tax, property value declines as property tax declines, partially because of Prop 13, where most of our like a huge amount of property in San Francisco is actually taxed at less than its current value. Mm-hmm. So you really have to see values come way down for, for parts of the, the property tax space before it actually affects taxes. And how big are um, pensions and retirement health care issues right now? Um, it was kind of hard to cover those already. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, an important place to start with pension is always that we're doing better than most. Mm-hmm. Our, our pension system is almost 90% funded in San Francisco. That's compared with the state's pension system, which is in the 60s, I think, um, which doesn't mean we, we, we aren't having challenges with it. <clears throat> um, I think the losses that the, the retirement fund will take in the current fiscal year and potentially in next year will mean that the city will have to make up that difference with more contributions. That won't be immediate. It'll be two to three years out, I think, is when you'll start to see that. Um, and one of the things that's been amazing to me at the moment has just been the disconnect between what feels like it's going on in the employment base and in the economy and the stock market. Yeah. So it has been amazing at the moment that we haven't seen these really profound real life losses in employment and wages across the board in the US. It hasn't translated into the kind of market losses you'd expect I would have expected to see. It did at first, but then it rebounded quite a bit, right? Yeah, Why do so you think that is? I don't I, I I, it feels like optimism, <clears throat> mm. um, and I don't expect that will last. But mm-hmm. if it, in the shorter term, what that's meant is that the, the losses our pension fund has taken have not been as actually significant as you might expect. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we'll see if that holds um, yeah. in the next couple quarters. Great. Well, you've done a great job on these serious questions, and now it's time for the famous lightning round. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Uh, Taqueria Cancun. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Uh, so I married an ex. <laughs> that is the correct answer. That's my favorite too. True or false? San Francisco city workers are paid too much. False. <laughs> That's the very diplomatic answer. Uh, what is the biggest misconception about the budget in San Francisco? That all twelve billion can be spent on parks, homelessness, and street cleaning. Uh huh. 
If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the way the budget works, what would it be? Uh, that's impossible to answer in a lightning round. <laughs> I'm sorry, Heather. You can have a little bit of longer answer if you'd like. <laughs> is there one thing that just bugs you about how the budget is compelled to work? Yeah, I mean, I I think the number of restrictions we tie around ourselves that makes mm -hmm. it hard for people that we've elected to make decisions. Like the set-asides? Yeah, set-asides, voter initiatives, laws that prior mayors and boards have adopted that become impossible to change. You know, mm -hmm. we, we have this tendency to layer up rules and, and restrictions that build on themselves over time and really make it harder for our current elected officials to respond to current issues. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to about shelter-in-place ending? What will you do first when you can do whatever you want? I will definitely go out for a drink. <laughs> Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? I, I make sure to go for a walk every day with my daughters. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a very big job to do right now, so I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Heather. Thank you to Ben Rosenfield for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.